get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Thomas, appreciate you hopping on with us. Let's jump into this because Doug Armstrong labeled the Blues' successful season as being at the top of the middle tier in the Western Conference. And Vancouver is one of those teams that they're competing with. I feel like tonight is one of those measuring stick games for both sides. Yeah, you know, the uh, I mean, we asked Rick Tockett ahead of that Nashville game, right? I pointed out to him that Vegas had the Nashville Predators and the Vancouver Canucks at roughly the same over-under number for points. And he immediately mentioned Nashville and St. Louis as two teams that he was eyeing. Similarly, uh, those types of teams that if Vancouver wants to get to where they want to go to, which is the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're going to have to finish ahead of them. And, you know, the St. Louis Blues are in that mix too, 88 and a half, I think. So very much so, these are teams that were identified by the markets uh, I think by most experts, by anyone sort of looking at the Western Conference pecking order as sort of three teams with a with a shot to be uh, on that playoff bubble. And, and, you know, I think what we've seen out of most of those teams, frankly, right, like all of Nashville, St. Louis, and Vancouver, I think would take their start based on where preseason expectations are. There have been moments where you could, you know, see the case for for all three teams to sort of upset the apple cart in the Western Conference and, and maybe spoil the playoff party for a team or two that qualified last year uh, in the early going. Here, let me tell you one other thing that I, I think caught a lot of Canucks fans' attention. Um, you know, it's it's been lean. It's been lean up in uh, the the Pacific Northwest for, for Canucks fans over the last few years. And one thing we've grown very accustomed to is teams coming in on a back-to-back, the way the Blues are, and throwing their their starter at one of the teams from Alberta and Vancouver sees their backup. Um, you know, both both St. Louis and then also the New York Rangers played their backup in Alberta this weekend, saving their starter for the Canucks. I, I think locally, anyway, and this is uh, gives you a sense of how closely Canucks fans pay attention. That was seen as a, that was seen as a mark of some respect um, from from both the Blues and the Rangers. The fact that they'll see the you know, the, the Bennington Shesterkin axis this weekend as opposed to the backups. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty interesting, it's pretty interesting times in the Western Conference. And I think the early standings are looking a lot different than we might have expected before the puck was dropped. Thomas Drance is our guest. You can find his work over on The Athletic. He's joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Thomas, one of the things that I like about teams like St. Louis, Winnipeg I'll throw into this mix, Vancouver certainly there as well, is there's real stakes this season in terms of what the roster is mm. going to look like, both in terms of the short and the long term. And yeah. for Vancouver, I feel like there's been conversations for years really about what are the forwards that they're going to ultimately build around? You're somebody that is on the ground. You're, you're covering this team on a day-to-day basis. How do you feel about what the long-term outlook looks like for this team, and how does this season play into some of those conversations? Yeah, I mean, one thing, you know, that, that – the, I mean, Pedersen is where it sort of begins and ends, right? Elias Pedersen is a bona fide, you know, 24. He'll turn 25 shortly. So mid-20s, 100-point, 40-goal centerman who's also really good defensively. I mean, that's not a player type that you can find anywhere in, in, in the NHL. That, that's a player you have to keep. Uh, Pedersen got bridged a few years back, and that deal will expire at the end of the season. 
So he was extension eligible on July 1st, and rather than uh, get that deal done, he you know, publicly declared his intention to play out this season and then revisit contract talks. Now, it, you know, for Canadian teams, especially with the way we've seen, like, Debrinket, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the Matthew Kachuk situations play out over the past few years, all players who are uh, restricted players still, when they when they effectively, you know, exercised uh, their pre-agent rights <laughs> to sort of pick a new destination... You know, I, I think th- th- there's the, there's a growing sense in Canada that it's that it can be tough to keep your players, that it, that it can be tough to keep guys um, close to home. So, you know, in that context, Pedersen's decision to wait has you know furrowed some brows, has caused some consternation among Canucks fans, especially because you know this is the superstar who's been the face of this rebuilding effort for six years now. So, excuse me. So. You know, um, we'll see how it plays out. I, I mean, I, I think having team success will go a long way toward keeping him around. Uh, there's a ton of cap space available to the club. Uh, perhaps this is much ado about nothing, but certainly for Canucks fans, that's a situation that everyone's monitoring with, you know, almost hysterical uh, closeness uh, as the season goes along. The the sort of the sort of thing you'd expect from from a always. Um, calm Canadian market like this one. Uh, and then, and then you know, some of the other interesting things to track, Philip Heronix on an expiring deal. The club will have some cap space, but a lot of that money is going to go toward Pedersen and Heronix in particular. Um, and, you know, this team has continued to push chips into the center of the table, whether it's the Oliver ekman Larson buyout, whether it's a, a bevy of free, free agents that were signed this summer. But they continue to really focus on the short term. And, and I think the question for this team, big picture, you know, it, it, it's more than can this be a playoff team this year, although that needs to happen. Uh, it, it's also about, you know, how does this team level up going forward? Because we're seeing in the West, right? I, I mean, it's one thing to get off to the sort of start that the Blues and the Canucks have gotten off to. It's another thing entirely to be the Avalanche or the Golden Knights. And, and the bar in this conference is exceptionally high. Uh, I think that next step, getting to getting to good is fine. But going from good to great is the real trick. Uh, how can the Canucks pull that off, especially with all the uncertainty hanging around some of their best players going into this summer? I'm glad you said that, Thomas, because you know when I look at Vancouver, and like you mentioned, you got the pending free agents that you got to sign. But when you have a Pedersen, when you have a JT Miller, when you have a Brock Besser, like you've got Quinn Hughes, you've got pieces to go from good to great. When you look at the Blues, because I know you also cover the National Hockey League, do you see pieces there that can take this team from good to great, or do you still feel like there's still some time to be had? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think the Blues need. I mean, the Blues still need more, in my opinion, anyway, that's like young and coming on the blue line, right? That, that, that to me, is the biggest issue. I see pieces to go from good to great up front. Uh, you know, I think Jordan Cairo is one of, the, one of the most entertaining players to watch in the entire league. Uh, Robert Thomas, obviously, just an incredible playmaker. Um, you know, I, I see a lot that the Blues have to like for the future up front. It, it's on defense, and I don't think this is a secret, right, that, that you can see – um, you know, some players who are getting a little longer in the tooth, uh, some contracts that are not easy to move, as we saw this past summer. Um, you know, and that's sort of where, uh, you know, I, I think the way, for example, like the Vince Dunn, Jake Wallman situations played out becomes a, a real challenge to sort of undo that, to sort of find that pipeline 
to find affordable high-level contributors on the back end, uh, I think is the trick now for uh, Doug Armstrong and company. Uh, and that's not an easy trick to pull off, as we know, given the premium prices paid for defenders. Um, you know, a first and a second, for example, is the prices the Canucks paid to add Philip Peronic to their back end. Uh, and there's still major question marks locally about the right side of Vancouver's defense corps. Um, you know, St. Louis has a lot to like. There's a, there's a lot of pieces there that I think are good now and, and good going forward. Uh, I, I'll shout out to one of my favorite players to watch in the league, Alexi Torpchenko. Just so much fun to see a guy that big skate around hitting people. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing that live tonight. Um, so, there, there, you know, I think there's a lot to like going forward up front for the Blues. Um, but on that back end, I, I mean, I think that's, that's going to be a challenge uh, both for this season and going forward, if, if St. Louis is going to get back to, you know, the, their usual uh, perch contending for, for a 15-year stretch as, as we've been used to over the last decade and a half. Thomas, I, I, final question that I've got for you is kind of relating these two teams together in terms of the style of play that we've seen from them so far this year. I've listened to your podcast over at The Athletic, so I think I can affectionately call you a numbers nerd kind of like myself. <laughs> so you look at some oh, of absolutely. the underlying stuff to find out, okay, yes, the the – the actual goals, all of this, this looks good, but what does it look like underneath the hood? And for both yeah. the Blues and the Canucks, it doesn't look so great so far this year. So as you look at that and you think about, okay, what does this mean long term? Is it a small sample size where this is going to get better and the real results are kind of telling us, hey, this is going to be a good offense? How do you view that stuff early in a season? Yeah, I mean, it's still too early. You know, for me anyway, um, when, when we're at this point, what I really look at is – Goals, goals scored for and against, and then shot attempts. And, and obviously, shot attempts are a lagging indicator for both the Blues and the Canucks. Um, that said, you know, these are both teams that I expect to have good to, to really good special teams. Uh, these are both teams that have goalies who you could see getting hot. You could see, I mean, we've seen it in, in Bennington's case, obviously, uh, in 2019, what he did in the second half. We've seen it from Demko for months at a time. I'm sure Blues fans are, you know, have, have seen it from him too. So, you know, I, I think the fact is, is that both of these teams should be able to out punch or out kick the, their coverage from an underlying perspective anyway. Uh, and it's just six games. Like, I don't think we know what the true talent level is of the, of these teams in terms of their ability to control games. And I don't think we will know until they've hit about the 30 game mark. I, it's about the 30 game mark where I start to talk about a team's true talent level with a little bit more confidence. Um, obviously you'd love to see, teams outshoot their opponents more often than not, especially when it's only six or five games and the team's been leading regularly in those games, you'd expect them to get outshot. So, so I don't think we've seen the true colors for either team five on five yet. I'm not too worried about the fact that they're both among the bottom teams in the league controlling play five on five. I think there's a variety of reasons for it. Um, and, and I think we'll, the truth of these teams will effectively reveal itself in time. Uh, one other factor to, to consider here. Uh, Craig Berube and Rick Tockett, close friends, extremely close friends. And, uh, and you know, I think share a lot of ideas ab about how hockey uh, should be played. So in, in both teams' case, and, and something to watch for tonight, you know, you are going to see uh, a lot of that extra pass, right? You're going to see the defensive work rate. You're going to see the emphasis on, you know, neutral zone structure, squashing plays along the wall. All, the, all that classic stuff, but you're also going to see teams that I think are willing to pass up good shooting opportunities to create better shooting opportunities. Teams that really care about being opportunistic with the chances they get. 
uh, that can often make for, for entertaining hockey, but aesthetically pleasing hockey. So I, I'm expecting two pretty skilled, hardworking teams to, to maybe produce a, a couple of highlight reel goals each way tonight. Uh, maybe maybe Berube and, and Talkit won't love that, but I, I think we <laughs> might enjoy it. 